Hello and welcome back to the Bug and a Rug podcast. As always, my name's Caitlin. As usual, I'm Whitney. And today we're bringing you another story that may or may not keep you up at night. Hopefully by the end of it we will all we will all still be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug, but only time will tell. <laughs> I messed up. I'm disappointed in myself. I've let everybody down, quite frankly. You know, there's times where I forget that my line in all of that and all I have to say and I'm Whitney <laughs> and that's it when do I when do I get when sometimes when I almost I miss in. my cue yeah. cue me in you gotta do point at me when it's my turn so you're allowed to mess up I'll forgive you thank you thank you I appreciate that I really really do um yeah yeah it feels weird that we're actually recording in the daylight. In the daylight. In the morning. It's too bright out. Damon. Draw our, draw our blackout curtains. Fight around the night. Wait, when man. you draw curtains, are you mm-hmm. closing them or opening them? It depends. Are you using a pencil or colored pencil or pants? <laughs> it's, you have to be more specific. I don't. I hate this. <laughs> chalk you could use chalk you could use chalk you're absolutely right i don't know because i think you can draw them close or draw them open right it depends again what type of scenery you're trying to depict <laughs> are we doing a window with cute little trees in the outside just like bob 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 ross is that his name <laughs> a happy little tree Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Or are you drawing some type of a scene out of a horror movie where the man is outside the house looking through the window? <laughs> At an unsuspecting we do beg person. Your pardon, but we, we are, are in your, your garden. garden. <laughs> anyway, this is enough nonsense. Let's get down to business because there's not going to be a lot of jokes. Let's get down to business. That's the last one. I'm cutting you off. I'm cutting you off. The Huns. Oh my god. You're going to cut me off during that? You are. The most. God. (laughs) It's one of the most epic. Name. Name a more epic Disney song. I'll wait. Uh, Kiss the Girl. You hate the Little Mermaid. I do hate the Little Mermaid. Liar! I do hate the. I don't hate the Little Mermaid. I think that sometimes Disney princesses in movies, like, if your only dream is to meet the guy, I'm just not interested, you know? Which is most of them. Mostly then. Mostly then. (laughs) Which means he's sort of alive. (laughs) So now that I said, I was expecting you, first of all, your answer's wrong. I was expecting you to say any song from Phil that Phil Collins wrote for Tarzan. <laughs> but I don't know the words to those as well as Mulan. I don't Mulan. either. I don't either. I wanna know. Can you show me? Oh, yeah. I was like, I can't even think of any right now. It's been a long time since I watched Tarzan. It's been a long time. Good to see your face. I knew Oh, my God. Okay, we need to stop with the songs. This is not a musical. I'm not a singer. As you can tell. <laughs> a big surprise to uh, no, no one. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Good intro. Good musical intro. Good musical intro. We get all the goofs and the laughs out oh, at the beginning because jokes are will be coming to an abrupt halt. Oh, okay. I've decided that we've had fun for too long. Oh, okay. We're breaking up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't kiss. <laughs> we don't kiss. No, I, 
since it is Pride Month, happy Pride Month, everybody. I know we're three weeks into it. We're a little bit late with that, but our recording schedule has been off. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. I have decided to bring awareness to a story that I did not know about and that kind of helped propel the... I don't even know what you would call it. The the movement to gain rights for, mm-hmm. you know, those who are a part of the LGBTQ plus community mm-hmm. um, back in the 2000s. Okay. I was looking for happy stories, but then I veered off because I felt like we should do something to, to bring awareness to the struggles that the LGBTQ plus community get through. Sure. Okay. So this is the story of Amanda Milan. Um... M-I-L-A-N is the last name, so I will be pronouncing it Milan. Milan, Valencia. What does he say? London, (laughs) Paris, Milan. (laughs) Right, right. But jokes isn't allowed, so I just just mouth Jokes can be allowed, but it's going to be tough. All right, so I'm just going to get started. We're going to rip it off like a band-aid. So Amanda Milan was originally born as Damon Lee Dyer in 1974. She grew up in Chicago, but not much is known of her childhood years. So at the age of 18, she came out to her friends as transgender. Amanda then moved into a Central Park apartment with her Pomeranian named Ashley as she began working as a high-class escort. Now, she worked very hard to make her dreams of becoming a fashion designer come true, and her work as an escort gave her opportunities to travel to Europe where she could make connections with those in the fashion crowd as well as give her enough money to start saving for gender confirmation surgery. Okay. So she was a very hard worker Mm -hmm. and she had very big aspirations. Um, She was supported by many friends she met along the way. This included her closest friends, Kim and Simone, who were also transgender. I could not find last names for these two, so I apologize. I just couldn't find them. The three friends were very close for about 10 years until around 1999, 98-99. During this year, Kim traveled to England and then to Australia where she was found deceased at the bottom of a cliff. I could not find more information on this because again, I couldn't find their last names. Mm -hmm. About six months later, Simone moved to San Francisco with a boyfriend. Less than a month after the move, she was found thrown from a fifth-story window. Again, I don't have a lot of details on this because I don't know the last names. If you have any more information, please send it our way. I'd be happy to um, talk more about it. I just couldn't find more information. So sad. I mean, one of those by itself is an absolute tragedy, but both together is... I mean, individually they're horrible, and then together for... Amanda to lose her two best friends like that, that's hor- that's so, so traumatic. Absolutely. So these deaths obviously devastated Amanda, who looked to these two as like her own family. I mean, they were inseparable for 10 years, so mm-hmm. obviously... She had other friends, don't get me wrong, but these two, everybody said they were like thick as thieves. Like, mm-hmm. they just hung out together all the time. Well, Amanda began to fear for her own life because she would say that things always happen in threes. We say that, too. I mean, that's a common thing, mm-hmm. you know. Grey's Anatomy, they say threes or sevens. Or maybe fours or sevens. It doesn't matter. It's anyway, like, yeah. But but they're like, it always happens in pairs. So if they have a, a lot of deaths on an episode, they're uh, always counting more. for one more right? to come through. Yep. Well, unfortunately, she would become right just six months later on June 20th, 2000. 
So nearing 4 a.m. the morning of June 20, 2000, Amanda Milan had finished some work and decided to stop by Times Square to grab some coffee with a group of her friends at the McDonald's on 8th Avenue and 43rd Street. Um, they, they basically always met up here. Um, this was just like the hangout that they would meet up and sure. grab coffee and chit-chat. Now, after chatting for a short time, Amanda bid her friends, friends farewell. She crossed 8th Avenue hoping to catch a cab when a man approached her. 20-year-old Dwayne McCuller had been standing on the street corner for about an hour before he followed Amanda across the street. Witnesses stated that they saw the two exchange a few short words before McCuller allegedly yelled, Get your drag queen ass away from me. When Amanda replied with, Why would you say something like that to me? You don't even know me. McCuller responded with, I know what you have between your legs. I'm going to shoot you. No one knows the exact words that Amanda used, but she challenged McCuller to a fight, stating something along the lines of, don't you say you're going to shoot me? You want to fight me? Fight me like a man. Right before the two got into like a short scuffle. One of Amanda's friends named Patra, P-A-T-R-A, recalled to Salon.com in an interview that, quote, her philosophy was A-M-E-L-I-O-R-A-T-E. Ameliorate yourself from mental slavery, stand up and be who you are, play that role. She said, all of us have an abiding reality and death is the only judgment on how life is lived. She believed there is no justification in living a life of lies if deep down in your heart you know who you are. Mm. So basically her friends knew that she's going to say something. Like she's not going to let it go. She's not going to let people treat her poorly. Right, right. Or act like she's something that she isn't. Right, exactly. She's like, I'm not going to allow you to degrade me when you don't even know me. Like you don't, this guy was a stranger. This guy was a stranger. Well, McCuller ended ended the argument by threatening Amanda once again with a gun, stating, quote, I'll shoot you, I have a gun, I have to punch you in the face and hit you. Well, Amanda just walked away. She began to walk, you know, back towards where she was heading in the first place to catch a cab. McCuller, you know, kind of left her alone until 26-year-old Eugene Celestine piped up and told McCuller that he had a knife. So McCuller grabbed the knife offered to him by Celestine and ran after Amanda. Her friends were kind of watching the scene unfold, were trying to yell for her and get across the road, but they were not able to make it to Amanda in time. Just as she was stepping onto the corner of 42nd Street and 8th Avenue, McCuller plunged the knife into her throat. Amanda's jugular vein, larynx, and carotid artery had been severed. The group she was with earlier tried to stop the bleeding as an ambulance was called. You know, they, you know, they wrapped a sweatshirt around her throat and tried to stop it. But, I mean, those, your jugular vein and your carotid, there's like. There's not much you you can can do. do. Yeah. Your larynx is like your your throat. So her windpipe was also Yeah, he basically, I think he slashed, like sliced Mm -hmm. her, yeah, throat. Now, they waited in front of the Duan Reed until the police arrived on scene at 4.20 a.m. This is like a Walgreens. I looked it up. So if you're familiar with the area, you'd know, but we were not. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda was rushed to St. Vincent's Hospital in Chelsea, where she was later pronounced dead at approximately 5 a.m. So very short time. There was really nothing they could do for her, unfortunately. No. Now, Dwayne McCuller was able to evade police with the help of of a man named David Anderson, but they were soon caught along with Eugene Celestine. 
Now, Dwayne McCuller was arrested and charged with homicide. He went to trial in November of 2002, pled guilty, and was sentenced to 17 and a half years in prison. David Anderson was convicted of hindering prosecution and received a sentence of one and a half to three years. Eugene Celestine went to trial in 2003, but I could not actually find what the results were of his trial. I know he went to jail, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. Do you know what he was charged long. with? I, I think like an accomplice. Yeah, I mean, he's Manslaughter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's the one that gave him the knife. Right. And knew what he would do with it. Right. And if they're going to charge David Anderson, I'm assuming they're going to charge Celestine. I just could not find. I, I saw where it was fine. He was uh, arrested and charged, but I could not find the results of that. Now, on June 21st, 2000, the New York Times printed an article. So this is the next day. Mm -hmm. The article stated, Manhattan Times Square killing. A man was fatally stabbed in Midtown Manhattan yesterday after a dispute with two other men, the authorities said. The victim, whose name was withheld pending notification of his family, was found on the sidewalk at 4.20 a.m. near the intersection of 8th Avenue and 42nd Street, dressed in women's clothing and stabbed once in the neck, the police said. He was taken to St. Vincent's Hospital where he died. The police arrested Eugene Celestine, 26, of Queens and were reviewing charges against him last night. Now, the police then classified Amanda's death as a homicide, but it was not considered a hate crime. Detective John Giammario, G-I-A-M-M-A-R-I-O, a police spokesman said, quote, it was from a dispute, not a biased crime. But the dispute started because of a biased crime. Yeah, you would think that they would realize that, huh? So, that's what I thought, too. Yeah. And, go ahead. The New York Times. Right? For, and maybe. Blatant disrespect. Maybe. Even if you give them the benefit of the doubt. What they get as information is a... Either what the hospital says or what the police say, which is what they're telling the hospital when the hospital is trying to treat them. Yeah. Biological male, but she she identifies as female. Right. And even if they don't know that, because if they haven't contacted the family, they're not sure. But, like, even if you're like, okay, it it was biologically a man, why do you have to put in print dressed in women's clothing? Like, why is that? That's not a detail that you need. If you're not going to write any other details about the article, about how terrible it was, about really what happened, about, you know, where it was exactly, why do you need that detail? You don't. Right. They did it to make it sound just interesting enough that people are like, oh, I wonder what happened. But it's so disrespectful to the victim. Well, and what made this even worse, and this could be part of the issue is supposedly, now this is allegedly from her friend's point of view, that a lot of people that were there, because it's New York, like it's 4 a.m., but there's a ton of people there. Apparently a lot of people were basically not necessarily cheering McCuller on, but not helping and also just kind of being like very disrespectful, like laughing and being like, well, you know kind of what they deserve kind of thing rude so who knows where the new york times got this information right well they they printed i think they printed as quickly as they could yeah without details but the details they got they didn't have to use in that way right exactly that's why i'm like you didn't have to write that they they wrote it and should have looked at it and said oh this is kind of disrespectful to the victim of a crime who then died yeah oh yeah Absolutely. And the police to say that it wasn't a hate crime, which I'll talk a little bit about this later, but 
Yeah, it was an argument, but it was an argument because he's being biased. It started with that she was trans. It like, you know what I mean? With hate speech. Right. Basically. So what? How do you? Like, I don't understand that. But anyway, many people were very, very disappointed in the New York Times and the police. Um, Diane Dyer McKee, who was a close guardian of Amanda's, stated, "Quote: I think it was a hate crime, and anyone who is trying to call it anything else is simply wrong. This guy cowardly came up behind him and slit my nephew's throat. I don't know why he did it. It was just hate." Mm-hmm. And then Laura. E. Didden, former director of legal services for the New York City Gay and Lesbian Anti-Violence Projects, said the prosecutor's refusal to reclassify the case as bias came as wrong. Quote, this case absolutely merits it, she said. We don't know everything that happened there, but I think the fact that explicit anti-transgender bias language which was used makes the argument. Our belief is that when bias is involved, violence escalates more quickly, and that is my impression of what happened in this case. So basically what we were saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because she walked away. Yeah. Maybe they got in a fight, but she walked away. Yeah. But he said, I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. Basically because you're trans. Trans, yeah. And and if you read different articles, you'll see there's, you know, the wording's a little different from each thing, and not everybody is clear on exactly what was said, because... He didn't start yelling at first, and nobody really knows what was said at first, but everybody agrees that he was basically degrading her and saying slurs and things mm-hmm. like that. Like that From is, the beginning. That's no question. That's right. why she started speaking to him in the first place. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Now, this horrific crime galvanized the New York transgender community into action, calling once again for more rights and better treatment. There was a bill in process of being... Um, pushed to help define and help get more rights for hate crime, Mm -hmm. like persecution, basically. I'm not sure what that was called, but at this time there was something going through legislation in New York, Mm -hmm. and so this kind of happened at the same time. So the transgender community and those in support of the whole LGBTQ Mm -hmm. plus community was basically like, yeah, we got to... This is ridiculous. We got to push for this. You're gonna hard. push. You're gonna push this through now, right? So a memorial service was organized for Amanda on July 23rd. That was attended by over 300 people, including those from the Metropolitan Community Church on 36th Street, fashion industry people that she knew, national and community transgender activists, and the general public. At the memorial service, Octavia St. Laurent gave the eulogy. Now, Octavia St. Laurent is. Or was an actress. She was known for her role. She was known for a lot of things, but she was known for her role in Paris is Burning, a documentary focused on drag queens living in New York City and their house culture. So she was close friends with a lot of these people and knew Amanda. Sure. So she gave the eulogy and... um, She stated several moving words. Now, I don't know if this is in order because I don't have the whole thing, but these are just some quotes from it. Quote, Amanda was a transsexual. She was killed because she was a transsexual. Her neck was slashed and her story went unreported because she was black and a transsexual. Another quote, gays have rights, lesbians have rights, men have rights, women have rights, even animals have rights. How many of us have to die before the community recognizes that we are not expendable? Talking about the transgender community. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she basically ended her eulogy declaring, quote, death will not be the last words for Amanda Milan. People gave her a standing ovation for this, obviously, sure. because they 
And it basically wasn't because they used this movement to push forward the agenda of getting more rights. Mm -hmm. Now, they did this. I mean, it was probably a slow process, but town hall meetings were held focused on violence against transgender people. Um, They were held by the Lesbian and Gay Community Service Center. A meeting was held on September 28th called Violence and Survival Transgender People Tell Their Stories. Members of the New York Association for Gender Rights Advocacy organized a forum on hate crimes at Judson Memorial Church in Greenwich Village later in November. So these were just initial steps to try to, you know, get people to come out and realize how much pain these people are going through, essentially. Laws have been changed, and I have, like, a couple examples of what there is now. Um, The definition of a hate crime, according to the FBI's Uniform Crime Reporting Program, is, quote, a committed criminal offense which is motivated in whole or in part by the offender's biases against a race, religion, disability, sexual orientation, ethnicity, gender, and gender identity. Now, the Sexual Orientation Non-Discrimination Act, or SODNA, Effective as of January 16th, 2003. So this might have been the one that they were trying to push trying through. Trying to get through, yeah. It was amended. It amended the New York State human rights law to make it unlawful for anyone in New York State to be discriminated against in employment, housing, credit, education, and public accommodations because of their actual or perceived sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. The act further amended the New York State human rights laws to broadly define sexual orientation as heterosexuality, homosexuality, by sexuality or asexuality so this kind of helped push you know more recognition for Mm -hmm. those who in the lgbtq plus community um and get them more rights and help because since this wasn't an effect that could have been part of the problem with defining it defining it as a hate crime Mm -hmm. the gender expression non-discrimination act became effective on january 25th 2019 and amended the New York State Human Rights Law to prohibit discrimination based on gender identity or expression, including transgender status in employment, housing, credit, education, and public education. The Gender Expression Non-Discrimination Act defined gender identity or expression to mean a person's actual or perceived gender-related identity, appearance, behavior, expression, or other gender-related characteristics, regardless of the sex assigned to that person at birth. So it took until 2019 to get this law passed. Sure. Which even, I mean, and that's, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Which is rough. Mm -hmm. Which is rough. Now, there was another act that um, was put in place in 2009. The Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act of 2009, 18 USC. I don't know what that symbol means. 249. (laughs) The Shepard Bird Act makes it a federal crime to willingly cause bodily injury or attempt to do so using a dangerous weapon because of the victim's actual or perceived race, color, religion, or national origin. The act also extends federal hate crime prohibitions to crimes committed because of the actual or perceived religion, national origin, gender or sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability of any person, only where the crime affected, insertate, or foreign commerce or occurred within federal special maritime and and territorial jurisdiction, 
The Shepard Byrd Act is the first statute allowing federal criminal prosecution of hate crimes motivated by the victim's actual or perceived sexual orientation or gender identity. So this didn't come into place until 2009, mm-hmm. and this is a big one. I have, I know of the Matthew Shepard story, and I thought about doing this one. Have you heard of this no. one? He basically was, he's gay, I believe, mm-hmm. and he was beaten to death. And then basically hung on a fence line mm. to die and for people to see. So, but I thought about doing that story, and that's kind of how I came into the Amanda Milan story. But anyway, long story short, it has been a struggle to get rights for those in the LGBTQ plus community. Right. And um, they're still struggling. And they're still that. struggling to this day, because that one just came in 2019, the Gender Expression Non Discrimination Act in New York. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to tell Amanda Milan's story because, you know, it kind of brings light into what this community has had to go through. I mean, losing people, their mm-hmm. friends, people they consider family, yeah, in order to get basic human rights. You yeah. know what I mean? Like protection right. rights. Yeah. Now, even with these laws, there are many hate crimes reported yearly. That's another reason I want to bring this up because this is still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, And in 2019, 15,588 law enforcement agencies participated in the hate crime statistics program of these agencies. 2,172 reported 7,314 hate crime incidents involving 8,559 offenses. These, this covers all hate crimes, so mm-hmm. not just gender identity. Sure. But still, that's a lot. That's a lot. And it's still happening. Oh, yeah. Um... 55.8% were motivated by race, ethnicity, ancestry bias. 21.4% were prompted by religious bias. 16.8% resulted from sexual orientation bias. 2.8% were motivated by gender identity bias, which is higher than the previous year, actually. And these are 2019 statistics. Mm-hmm. 2.2% were prompted by disability bias, and 1.0% were motivated by gender bias. So even with these laws... It's still happening. I just don't... To a higher extent. I cannot wrap my head around disliking somebody so much for who they are. Yeah. That you make it, first of all, your business when it's not. It's not your business! They're not bothering you. No! So you, first of all, you're making it your business when it's not. And secondly, you're going out of your way to harm somebody just for being who they are. Right. I just can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. I know it happens. I, I don't think we should be, I think more awareness should happen. Like, you can't yeah. turn a blind eye to it. Right. But to me, it, it just does not make sense that you can treat somebody that way for any reason. Yeah. Let, an, let alone for them standing in their truth and being who they are. Yeah. Absolutely. Why does it, let them do what they want to do. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? It doesn't. Yeah. And it, no, it should it should not be your business. It should not be your business what someone else wants to do with their life as far as like being who they are, yeah, or how they dress or how who they love. Like, mm-hmm. why is that your business? Absolutely, it should not affect somebody to the point where they're angry enough to yeah. hurt somebody. Yeah. Why? Why? Like, it doesn't make any why? sense. You're yeah. you at, the people that are committing these crimes are building something up in their he- own head that makes no sense. Yeah, you are allowing something to affect you that it it has nothing to do with you yeah absolutely nobody is 
gay or transgender or whatever purposefully to harm you. you. That has nothing to do with it. Right. That's and just who they are. You're so vain. <laughs> you probably think this all is about you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. If you're that full of yourself that you think it's about you, it's not. Right. No, I agree. I agree 100%. Well, and that's why I wanted, I felt like, you know, this was a way that we can educate ourselves because mm-hmm. I didn't know about this and I didn't know, and I'm not well-versed. So I apologize. I know I was a little fumbly through this. I'm not well-versed with laws in general, Mm -hmm. but it was very fascinating. And I learned a lot about how long it has taken for these laws just to make people feel safer. Although it doesn't because you're still, you know, depending on who you have as a judge and police, Mm -hmm. like it's still going to be biased, but you at least have a little bit more of a fighting chance we're on the but right track. We're just not there yet. We're not there yet, and it's going to take a while. So I felt like this story was not well known, but honestly, it was considered a very big movement at the time. Sure. And so I felt like I should shed a little light on the struggles and what this community has had to go through in order to get where they are today, which isn't even anywhere close to where we should be. No, no, no. There's, there's a long way to go, and I think that looking at some of those definitions, like... Even the one, it only covered, what, asexual, bisexual, heterosexual, yes. and homosexual? Right. That There's was... a lot of different variety in there with mm-hmm. how people choose to identify. Yeah. And and it shouldn't... The sad thing is we have to define it. Yeah. Because there's people who will say, well, well that's they weren't the one of those. Right, yeah. So you can't charge me with that. Mm-hmm. No, you should not be... You should be treating everybody well anyway, but the the sad fact is we have to define it because it keeps happening. Yeah. But it's not right. No. But the sad thing is you ha- we have to keep pushing for more and more inclusion, mm-hmm. which we should, but because there's still people out there who are shitty people yeah. and keep making things their business that aren't their business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well. I'm mad. Yeah. I'm it's angry, a terrible story. Which, which we should be. I think that that's, a, that's the reaction... I think that we should have. Yeah. Like, this happened to somebody who it shouldn't, it should not happen to anybody. Yeah. But this person was targeted for being who they are. Right. And I think this is a good, it's a good first step for us who haven't lived through this in learning, in my opinion, learning about the laws and learning how long it's mm-hmm. taken and what is considered what and what isn't considered what. Yeah. And in putting ourselves, you know, inside these stories to really see what it was like yeah I mean it is like I have a greater appreciation not that I didn't appreciate their struggles before but I have more of an appreciation hearing these stories and and knowing like this is a specific example of Mm -hmm. of what has happened the struggles they've been through and what has happened and what they've lost yeah and what we've lost Mm -hmm. you know it's society uh, we're I think allies with that community and it's uh, uh, unfortunate that that's a struggle that the LGBTQ plus community still goes through. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm not going to ask it because I think this story is going to keep us all up at night. And it should. We should reflect should. on this. Everybody reflect on this and your actions. And if it doesn't, you should reflect harder because yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying in a way, maybe now it's your business. Like, <laughs> like but you know what I mean? Like, I, I keep saying it shouldn't be their business. It, it shouldn't be your business 
how somebody you shouldn't be trying to change somebody else or yeah. targeting somebody else for what they do but you should be aware should be. of the struggles of mm-hmm. other people enough to appreciate what they've been through yeah. and stand by your fellow human being well if you want to learn more about this story or you know go to any of the resources that i found these things on um you can go to our website bugandrug.podbean.com i have various resources on amanda milan herself but then I also have resources where I got the um, definition of those laws from. So it's a little chunky for me to understand, but feel free to go through and, you know, read them yourselves. Because I did. I'm just not great with words. If you want to see pictures, you can go to our Instagram and Twitter at BIAR Podcast. You can also go to Facebook, which is Bug and Rug. Please let us know on any of those or in our my goodness or on our email biarpodcast at gmail.com if I got anything wrong yeah or you know feel <laughs> there's free. not a ton of information on this story out there there's not a lot but if you know anything else feel free to share yeah. resources with us because mm-hmm. we want to learn yeah. and we want to grow in our understanding and appreciation Absolutely. I'm speaking for both of us but yep. I think you agree that's fine um, I'm nodding my head Yep, absolutely. And, you know, we got to stand together. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Thank you for the story. I'm mad about it, yep. but I appreciate the education. You're welcome. You're welcome. All also, right. just one more thing. Yes? Amanda Milan, great name. I absolutely know. great choice. I know. Fierce. She's fabulous. And the dog, I had to include the dog. I was like, going to be a fashion designer living in Central Park with a Pomeranian? Like, yes. fabulous. Snaps. Snaps absolutely for, fabulous. Snaps for her. Loved it. So, thanks for listening. Um, signing off, I'm Caitlin. I'm Whitney. Bye. Sleep tight. Bye.